Greetings, I'm Dave Gilmore, and this is Design Intelligence. With me in the studio today, I am honored to have Martha Thorne. Martha is a, an unbelievable human. <laughs> she is an American architecture academic, curator, editor, author. She is the former executive director of the Pritzker Architecture Prize. She is currently the dean in the School of Architecture and Design at IE University in Madrid. She is also the former curator of architecture at the Art Institute of Chicago. Welcome to this edition of This is Design Intelligence, conversations with leadership voices in the built environment. It is an honor, it's a privilege to have you with us here on This is Design Intelligence. Thanks for joining me here today. Oh, Dave, it's my pleasure. It's always uh, so uplifting to be able to talk about a subject that we're passionate about, architecture, the built environment, design, the profession. So thanks to you and your team. Well, you know, you've had this really extraordinary career. You know, I don't know if you if you see it, but and sometimes we don't. The things that are closest to us, you know, we're, we're somewhat myopic about our own existence. But when other people get to look at things, what they see about us is through extraordinary eyes. And that's how we see you. Your deanship at the university, at, uh, at the Instituto de Empresa in the University of Madrid, coupled with the, the many years of you overseeing the Pritzker Prize Award, uh, it, it's really put you in a very uh, unique perspective, particularly in, in juxtaposition to many of your academic peers, most will never experience the, the mix that you have between academia and the professions in the way that you have. It's been really extraordinary. Wouldn't you say it's extraordinary? I mean, honestly. I, I would say it has been an exciting ride. It is an exciting ride because it's still going on. And of course, we know um, the world is changing a lot as we speak and in ways that we never anticipated a few years ago. So I, but I have to say one thing, Dave, um, I've always been involved in communicating architecture, the built environment in the city. Very early in my career, working on publications, producing translations of open university texts, and working for different magazines. And then when I was a curator, first in Spain for the Ministry of Public Works, there was a gallery to highlight architecture and the built environment. And then I went to Chicago and the Art Institute of Chicago. Everything in my career has been in this attempt to understand the field, understand the changes, how is the present day linked to history and where are we going in the future? And then to be able to explain that to people, not only in the profession, but especially outside of the profession. Because as you know, I didn't train as an architect, but developed this love for it. I trained as a city planner. And I think that also has put me in a special position, not only my professional uh, opportunities, but the viewpoint of coming from a different field and looking first as an outsider and now with the great privilege of being super close to what happens in architecture and in our cities 
and the people that I've been able to meet. I think you're right. I've had uh, an incredible series of opportunities up until now, and they're continuing through the university and the people I meet and the other activities that I can become engaged in. You're a natural learner because you're a wonderful observer. You're an observer of humans, of history, of design, of human interaction. What has this taught you about where we are today as a society across the world? And what lessons could you share with us about some of the things that you've learned along the way in this fabulous journey you're on? You know, I have to I have to laugh, Dave, because um, I often say that the great value that architects bring to the table, any table, whatever the field, whatever the realm, whether it's the built environment or politics or economics, uh, history, whatever, architects bring to the table the ability to ask the right questions. So you're asking me a question, and I think I may have to answer you with another one or say, I think in in our conversation today, we may come up with more questions than answers. So I, I, I don't pretend to have answers to lessons for the present. What I can say is from the opportunities to observe people and situations, I think the biggest challenge we're facing nowadays is a challenge of the need to change, the need to embrace the changes that are occurring. For example, globalization, the rise in technology, the speed of urbanization, the way that we understand the built environment because of the climate emergency. All of these factors mean that the role of architects, the role of those of us in academia, the way we conduct our institutions, our businesses, our understanding of the world has to change. I think that COVID certainly accelerated a lot, and I thought the world was changing really quickly until COVID hit. But I think it's one more example that we cannot wait. We have to embrace change. We have to create it. We, we have to somehow draw the roadmap as we're going down the road. And so I, I don't have the answers because I think they're not written yet. But I do have this intuition from what I've experienced over my career and what I'm seeing nowadays. Things, things are changing really quickly. Architects, designers have probably the most important mission that they've ever had in the history of the world right now. And we have to be super agile, flexible. We have to be looking more carefully than ever at what's going on, doing more research, experimenting more, and trying to respond in a very positive way to the dynamism that's all around us. I love how you said, I don't know that I have any answers, but here's what I got pretty much, right? And I love that. At Design Intelligence, we have a leadership institute, and one of the things we say often is that the first rung on the ascension to authentic leadership is knowing that you don't know and saying so to others. And you just did that. So thank you for that. You're right. I, I mean, there are so many things that we can do 
But there is so many more ways that we need to become. That is to say, our being must front our doing, lest we'll just go out and do more of the same destructive stuff we've done for so long. And I think part of this is is that I'm not always sure that the architect understands who they are as opposed to what they're supposed to do. Did that make sense, or am I being too esoteric in that question? Well, if who they are has to do with the role that they play in society, I I think it it is a very difficult moment. And I think it may be a point of, of friction. On one hand, the past with the present, but also because there are many more roles for architects nowadays than there have been in the past. So it's hard to know exactly which definition to develop or which definition to get a hold of. I think we're being called to be women and men of all seasons, beyond just I'm here with a pen to draw something, hand it over and say good luck on that, right? At the end of the day, the architect is the beginning. It is the way we think that that creates and imagines new worlds and finds that reality. And the question is, is that reality that springs from our imagination responsible, irresponsible, or did we even think about that at all? You know, And I think the architectural profession is being called on to be wholly responsible. Now, more than ever in perhaps the history of its profession, we must take on a multifaceted perspective of responsibility. And if we don't do it, who? Who's going to do it? Absolutely. I, I totally agree. It, it's interesting because we are demanding more of our built environment, more of our buildings, and therefore we're demanding more of architects and the architecture profession. But I think these demands sometimes are in conflict with the traditional ways of doing things. So the idea that a client will come to an architect and say, will you please uh, design this type of building or For example, if architects know that they must follow the local ordinances or the norms or the laws, and those are not changing. So there are many friction points in the profession that make it very difficult to be this much more responsive professional. But I do agree totally with you that No longer is it enough to see the confines of the profession as, oh, I'm a designer or an interpreter of of the needs of a client and giving a product. It's interesting because uh, I always like to go back and look at a book called On Architecture by Spiro Kostov. And when he talked about, this is from the 70s, he said, The architect is the mediator between the client and the builder, the client in construction. The architect reflects in documents and plans what is to be realized. And that may have been in the 70s or it may have been in even earlier in the 20th century. But I think nowadays, as you were mentioning, architects are called upon to do so much more And this isn't always easy. It does produce friction points. On the other hand, 
I think the very positive aspect about that is our understanding and our ability to express to the general public the power of architecture and design. We realize that our physical, mental, and emotional well-being is greatly influenced by the spaces we occupy, by the cities we inhabit. We realize that equality or inequality is also expressed in the physical environment. Now, there are other factors in that, like economic factors, cultural factors, political factors, but it's really interesting to understand and to visualize equality and inequality and and the role of public space in that. Because once we understand that and visualize it, that also empowers architects to take more control, to come up with different ideas, and to unleash the power of architecture and space, which will then, I think, in turn, um, produce a greater appreciation of what architects do and the importance of our built and natural environments. This is begging my next question, which we're talking here about both the being of an architect and the doing of an architect and the expansive, expanding, I should say, um, responsibility list of this profession. And it comes down to design education. It's perhaps more challenged now than in any prior time in our long history the economics of education, the expectations of students, the power of relevance, both socially, economically, environmentally, all of these things, these pressing dynamics, the rising question of tenure, and even more. What do you have to say about the future of design education? Because we we saw it brought into a, a harsh light during certainly 2020, a stumbling place in 2021 around the world in different constructs. And so what do we do? Where are we going with design education and what needs to change and what needs to remain the same? This this is one of those huge questions where I don't have all the answers. And once again, I'll, I'll, I'll share with you what I can observe and what seems to be relevant for our students here at IE School of Architecture and Design. And on one aspect is the understanding in a very rigorous and full way the discipline of architecture. That is the design, the building, the caring for the built environment. So there there is the disciplinary, the history and the presence uh, of the discipline is at the core of education. That cannot be translated into one role of practicing the profession. That has to be, that's that's knowledge that goes very deep, like the roots of a tree, that the taproot that goes down very deep. But I think design education also has to extend new branches that go out horizontally that are the branches that allow us to connect with other disciplines. They allow us to connect with things like sociology, anthropology, economics, business, politics, sciences related to the natural environment. They allow us to engage in meaningful conversations with real 
on one hand, understanding and the belief that the architecture will be better and will benefit from these collateral conversations. Now, that's not to say that architects have to be specialists in everything. They have to be the best architects they can be. But just as they look at the context before they propose any intervention, any physical intervention or any design, they look at every aspect of the context from climate to the soil conditions, the ground, the history, the culture, the economic parameters, the legal parameters. Well, by looking at these other areas, transdisciplinary areas, it will give them richer information from perhaps from their constituents. It will give them richer information uh, with which to then bring in to the the project that they will be working on or to contribute to what change will be made in the environment. So I I see that um, and I see that in some of the criteria for accreditation of programs, an increased emphasis on concepts of sustainability, of looking at issues of equality, of flexibility, openness. Things have not changed enormously uh, in in terms of accreditation rules or interpretations, but I think it's on the way. And, And I think also that the great change will come when we see many, many models of practicing architecture and when we see architects very visible in many other places, not just in offices of architecture or design as designers, but when we see, oh, that wonderful person in politics, uh, the mayor of the city who is the architect, when, when that's much more extended, then I think we'll be making a real change in, in the profession, and, and that will have uh, also an influence on education. Fabulous response. Thank you for that. And we were talking earlier about these this responsibility that's being put on the architects. And I wish that we could see more in the curriculum journey toward the architectural degree is more emphasis on diplomacy, communication, storytelling, and influence. Uh, we have to teach these wonderful artists how to communicate in a way that is influentially compelling. I think there's power in that, and I wish that they were formally trained and taught how to do that more. Dave, I agree. And if I could just add a corollary to that, I think there's a real difference between art or storytelling and and architecture. Thinking of an artist producing a work of art or a novelist producing a text, uh, a novel, a volume. These people express themselves and they hope that the public will appreciate it, will enjoy it, will look at it. I think in the field of architecture, it's a two-way type of communication. It can't be that architects tell their story Anything that architects do, we know is a story that has 
many authors. Architects are more like editors of a large volume where they have different articles that are incorporated into it by many people. And those people in the past may have been the client, may have been the construction company or the artisans. But today, those people adding articles and adding text to this wonderful volume and therefore making it much more relevant, much more solid, much more meaningful mm-hmm. in this two-way communication are other people uh, that in the past were not considered. And that would be the possible clients, the residents, perhaps future residents or users of space, and then stewards of the natural environment, people involved in climate change and how we get beyond just doing better, more efficiently, but to becoming much more um, responsible and regenerative in our architecture and in our spaces. So architecture and storytelling is is probably a little bit more of a two-way street, but I totally agree. Those skills and how do we communicate and how do we incorporate ideas from others into projects is, is so important. And it's so important to be taught and practiced and experimented and used in education. Because in the end, that will make education better in and of itself, not just in terms of producing better architects, but it will make our education even better. Even better. I love that. So the, the, the punctuation on here, what I hear you say in that corollary is let's not be stuck in a monologue. Let's invite a dialogue. And, and the dialogue is what will raise the bar, the richness of the experience for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. Extraordinary. We could talk for a long time, more questions to ask you. And what I'd like to do is see, could I get you to come back and do a second round with me sometime? Oh, Dave, I would I would love that. I also feel we have so much to talk about. We haven't even touched on prizes yet, but no. there are so many things. And, and as you can tell, I am passionate about the built environment. I'm passionate about the people who are involved in it, whatever way that may be, from critics to designers to sustainability experts to faculty members, to folks like you who give voice to others and who are asking the hard questions. So absolutely, whenever you want, Dave, please count on me. Fantastic. Martha, it's been wonderful having you, and I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Thank you for joining us for this edition of This is Design Intelligence. The producer is Laura Spells. The sound engineer is Jared Knabel. This has been a DI Media Group production.